Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. What's up, everybody? Marty Griffin here, and you are listening to the Golf Strategy School podcast, the only podcast designed to help newer golfers get over those milestone scores of breaking 90 or breaking 100, if that's still what you're working on. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Golf Strategy Academy. If you want to work directly with me and you want to go through proven structured practices that take you from the cup all the way out to the tee box, and then even help you with some mental game things. Then head over to golfstrategyschool.com slash academy to learn more. This episode, we're talking about a great topic that our contributor Lane brought to us. And it's about the proper wrist hinge in the backswing. Let's get to it. Do you love to play golf? Do you wish you could be a more consistent and confident player? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Golf Strategy School podcast, where we discuss specific practice strategies used by some of the best golf instructors from around the world. Here's your host, Marty Griffin. Okay, proper wrist hinge for the backswing. A lot of different ways that people do it. Some people are flippers, they're rollers, they start the backswing with their wrists and just kind of Thwip it way behind them. Some people lift with their arms and their hands. There's a bunch of different ways that people do it. Most of those ways that are kind of natural for a beginner golfer are probably hampering A, your consistency, B, your power. So what we're looking at today is how we can kind of just a different way to think about hinging our wrists that's going to make us more consistent in terms of that impact and a lot more oomph behind the ball. So first off, why is wrist hinge important? Well, that kind of goes to our point B. The wrist hinge really provides a lot of power to the golf swing. But if you do it in the incorrect fashion, it can introduce more variables. And if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that Anytime we're introducing more things that potentially could go wrong, we are increasing the probability that it will go wrong. So we always want to stay away from unnecessary movement and, you know, unnecessary variables in the golf swing. So by, by taking this kind of closer look at the wrist hinge, when we see people that just start the swing by kind of rolling their forearms over and getting that club way behind them. 
they are then kind of creating, if we think of equal and opposite reaction, if we roll hard to the inside on the backswing, it means we're going to have a tendency to come outside and over the top on the downswing. So it's another one of those things that can influence people to come over the top, put that outside in path on the ball and create that slice spin that everybody is really kind of afraid of. What we want to do instead is rather than feeling like we're picking up the club, like with our, our fingers, like the, the cradle of our fingers, we don't want to feel like we're lifting the club. What we want to feel like is that we are pushing down on the butt of the grip. So at the very end of the grip, we want to feel like we are applying downward pressure to then cause the equal and opposite reaction of the club head to lift up. And when you do that, you'll see that it creates a nice natural loading of the wrists. The other thing, and if you're a beginner golfer, this is something that people struggle with. Some people, you know, they'll say that, oh, well, this part doesn't matter. And, you know, there's a hundred different ways that everybody could do it. True. There are a hundred different ways. If you could, you know, if you go through all the different swings on the tour, you're going to see someone who is making millions of dollars doing it the opposite way that I'm telling you. And just like if you, you know, if you were to look at someone who says the exact opposite thing of me, you know what? You could find people making millions of dollars doing it the opposite of what they're saying. So this isn't the, there's only one right way to do it conversation. This is the conversation about what is the easiest way to do it most consistently. So first we talked about pushing downward on the butt of the club. The next thing I want you to think about is what that lead wrist what that lead wrist looks like. Is it flat? Is it cupped? Or is it bowed? So cupped means it's flexed out away from your body. Flat is flat. And then bowed means it's rolled in towards your body. So if you look at someone like Dustin Johnson, he keeps his very flat to the point where it actually is quite bowed. That's just a, a really good visual example on a swing that you're probably familiar with. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to try for flat or bowed. And again, I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of over-exaggerating when you practice. That way, when it comes time to actually play, you can regress to the mean and not have to think about it and be in a good spot. So we overdo the motion in practice. That way, when we go and play, we don't have to think about it. And we're going to fall somewhere in the middle, which is where we want to be. So the way that we can kind of work on this flat left wrist or this bowed left wrist. And again, y'all know that I got two kids. So I have, I have these little like five to six inch tall, hardcover kids books absolutely everywhere in my freaking house. 
I tell them to pick them up. I've got 9,000 bookshelves. It doesn't matter. They're still everywhere. But the nice thing about this is that you can take a book, just take a thin, hardcover book, and what you do is you hold that book in your lead hand. So for a right-handed player, that's your left hand. You hold it there, and then as you're taking your backswing, focus on getting that book to apply pressure to the inside of your forearm. All right? Now, this is not something new. The book drill is absolutely everywhere. But it is a really, really nice reminder of what you should be doing. And the other thing that I really, really like about it is that you don't need 10-foot ceilings and a driving range to practice this. This is something that you can do sitting in your dang chair watching football or watching basketball. You know, you can you can sit forward, sit on the edge of your chair, and this is one of those situations where you don't have an excuse not to practice this. You can sit forward, sit on the edge of your chair, and then just practice rotating at your hips and your shoulders and just practice holding that book flat against your forearm. And the shorter the book, you're going to be able to kind of focus on that bowing, that over-exaggeration even more. So when we talk about, and by the way, when I say shorter the book, I don't mean page count. I mean literal height or width of the book. So if you have a book that's maybe only four or five inches long, you're really going to be able to over-exaggerate the bowing of that left wrist and really kind of keeping as much pressure as you can on the inside of that forearm. If you're using a book that's, you know, nine, 10, 12 inches long, you know, that book's going to be coming kind of close to your elbow. So it's going to be a little bit harder to do, but it's still absolutely worth the practice. Uh, The reason we do this is because that helps control the face. And you've heard me talk a lot about this, that, you know, one of the the very first things we need to take care of, and for me, it is the absolute primary, you need to take care of the face because that is going to downstream influence everything else you do. And it's going to do it subconsciously. So even if you're not thinking about it, your brain's going to say, oh, crap, the face is a little bit open. We need to cut across our bodies to start the ball left because we know it's going to slice. So by keeping that left wrist flat or bowed, what you're doing is you're keeping the club face much more closed through your backswing and at the top of the swing. That way, when you make your move down, your brain doesn't have to subconsciously go, oh, crap, we need to pull across ourselves to make sure this ball lands somewhere near our target. Your brain can go, hey, let's just finish the swing. Let's clear our hips and let's you know put some juice behind this ball and get it going on the right path. So that book drill, that bowed left wrist is a fantastic thing to practice while you're just kind of farting around the house. What you can also do, need a little bit more space because you should use a golf club. Practice pushing the butt of the club down. My old coach, Bill Cocott, he was the Wisconsin teacher of the year at one point. I think it was 2002, which is when I was taking lessons from him. He would say, you know, once you have your one piece takeaway, because that's that's really kind of another influencing component is people start their swing with their wrists because it feels more comfortable and more natural. 
When in reality, you want to be turning, everything's moving in one big piece. We kind of maintain a triangle between our two arms and our shoulders. We turn in one piece until our hands get outside of our trail leg. And that's when the wrist starts to load. So once that hand gets outside that trail leg, then you can start putting that downward pressure, put the push the butt of the club to the ground, bury the butt. That's what Bill Coca used to say. He said, bury the butt of the club, and then that will help you get the proper type of wrist action rather than lifting the club with your hands and getting this unnatural elevation in your swing. Because a lot of times what that does is it, it forces people to kind of stand up and out of their swing. So by pushing the butt of the club down, it helps keep that nice extension. And then if we think about what that feels like when we do our book drill, you are going to be in a much, much better space when it comes to loading your wrists on the backswing. So that's all I had for you today. Just a nice, quick little basic two things to focus on to get that good wrist hinge in the backswing. If you want to go through my proven structured practices, which is really, if you're trying to make 2020 your year of golf, this is where you are going to make the biggest bang. Then you want to head over to golfstrategyschool.com academy. This is where I have put together a series of structured practices. It's really designed to take you you know, probably a solid four to six weeks to get through all of these practices. But we start with putting, we work close to the cup, and we keep expanding backwards once we have become proficient. So we start with putting, then we talk about green reading, then we talk about lag putting, we get into greenside chipping, then we get into a little bit more distance chipping and pitching in that kind of like 50 40, 50 kind of no man's land zone. We then expand out to full swing irons. We talk about different ways we can learn to perform under pressure. I show you different ways that you can help take the tension out of your golf swing in those pressure situations and build like a good, reliable, consistent, rhythmic swing. We then move into driver drills and some tee shot strategy And then I talk to you about how to play a good, solid, smart game of golf. So if that's something you're interested in, join our monthly membership. It's called the Golf Strategy Academy. Just go to golfstrategyschool.com slash academy to learn more. Check out the testimonials. This is something that I actually have. I've had pros join this so they can take these practices and work on them with their students. So it's a really good resource. If that's something you're up for, if you want to actually play better golf, that is the home for you. Until next time, everybody, I'll catch you in a short grass. Cheers. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. 
to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.